0: Welcome to Crossroads Connection. This is a show all about having conversations surrounding life, ministry, and culture. I want to say a quick thank you to our friends at the Truth Network for airing this program. And thank you for joining and listening today. I'm Tyler, and I'm joined by Jamie. Jamie, hey it's so good to see you. Good to see you as well. You having a good week? I am. Yeah? Yeah. Awesome.
1: And we got Andy joining us as well. Andy, <laughs> how are you? I'm doing great. Welcome. Doing very, very good. And you know why I'm doing so well? Why? Let me why? tell you why. Oh, I because on the way in this morning, I was just flipping through some radio channels, and I came across <gasps> the Christmas channel. Oh, you did? Oh, did. Like Christmas music? Christmas music. <gasps> I need some of that yes. in my life. Yes, and it is now November, and so right. I think officially we, so can, officially.
0: You know, officially we can, can start talking about Christmas.
1: And, yes, yes. Uh, but it was just kind of a nice little surprise. That's you know, awesome. kind of, I was kind of, uh, you know, kind of going through and boom, there it was. Oh, I'm going to have to The it. Christmas music is already on in our house as well. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah. You're already, you're well, already playing you it in your Pastor. house? We are. Yeah, I walked in, I got
0: practice. home and my wife Megan had it on going throughout the house. And I was oh, like, nice. this is a little early for me. It was really
1: nice. Aww, yeah, I, I wasn't that upset about That's it. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Dang, I'm doing it today. <laughs> <I'm gonna start. laughs> That's it. You're going to go home and listen to it. Yeah, I'm behind. I'm usually one of the first. That's interesting. Y'all both beat me to it. Well, you know, most people probably wait till after Thanksgiving is my, yeah. guess, is my guess. But I have always said November 1st. For so music? I'm
0: like for, yeah, for music. Not decorations, mm. that's Thanksgiving. But music, yeah. the first. And so I'm four days behind, three days yeah, behind. Yeah, at the time yeah. of this recording you are. At the time of this recording. Yeah. I am. Now because I just told everybody what day we're recording this. That's on. all right. <laughs> hey,
1: I think they know we're not actually live uh, at the moment. Guys, we're not
0: live. No. <laughs> Spoiler alert. (laughs) Spoiler alert. This is
1: pre recorded. But yes, at the time of this recording, we are into the first week of November. Yeah. And at the time of this recording, um, we also have the election that is still unknown as of yeah. today. Of course, we're yeah. going to talk about that in a little bit. But let's look back to Christmas because yes. recently we interviewed somebody from the Operation Christmas Child, which yeah. totally got me into was the great. Christmas atmosphere. Uh, so good, it did. It was. It did. Yeah. And then that that following Sunday, uh, this past Sunday, we pushed it at our church for everybody to get a shoebox. And mm-hmm. so I wanted to throw a little promo out there for Operation Christmas Child, and we got just a real quick clip of yeah. the of, uh, commercial for them. So let's go ahead and play that for Operation Christmas Child.
0: How many of you know what this is? We want to impact the world. This is my way of entering another country without physically going. I want these children to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. I just see this fire burning in me that never goes away.
1: You have the hands packing The gifts, putting them in the box, the feet, carrying them to the other side of the world, and other hands distributing the gifts. You get an idea of the body of Christ. Church to church, this is what it's all about. The church
0: here in the U.S. partnering with the church overseas to proclaim the gospel all around the world.
1: We believe that this box is gonna carry with it the love of Christ. Not only are you affecting the world, but but it allows our church to come together and do something phenomenal. Box number five, seven. Operation Christmas Child has already provided the linkage and all of the framework for a pastor to be able to export their church's care and compassion to the world without having to recreate. You have no idea. Uh, how excited those kids are to see the wonderful things that have been sent to them from Christians in the United States of America. For many of these children,
0: um, they've never had anything new in their life. Maybe many of them have never had toys like this or a gift, but we gave this in Jesus' name.
1: I love it. Operation Christmas Child. So if you're looking for a way to be a blessing to somebody this Christmas that is super completely easy to do it is operation christmas child and in fact what we learned also last time is that you can actually do it virtually as well you can do it all online i just did it it was did so you? easy yeah <gasps> okay. yeah it was awesome you could actually pick the gifts mm-hmm. you can, you can so you can still pack it and mm-hmm. make it personal yeah, you like can write a note yeah yeah so it was really good yeah i i
0: Oh, that's Two awesome. thumbs up for me. Two that's, thumbs up yeah. on the online. box packing. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. Packing. <laughs> that's I fantastic. love
1: it. Yeah. So, anyway, so if you want to help, uh, make sure you go. Yeah. And the best way, just, I mean, honestly, just Google Operation Christmas Child. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll take you to it'll the website. Yeah. It'll pop up. You can go there and then you can figure out what to do from there. Or any of the, a lot of the local churches in the Raleigh area are also doing Operation Christmas Child. So make sure you do that. It's Christmas yeah. time. It's, it's Christmas time. It's a fun time. thing to do with your kids, yeah. too, if you've got kids. Yeah. And do it as a family. Those of you listening right now, this is about mid November that you're actually listening to this. And so uh, so hopefully you're getting more and more into that Christmas atmosphere and that Christmas yeah. spirit. So we're going to go for it. But as we said earlier, the time of this recording, let's just call it what it is. We're recording this today on Wednesday, November the 4th.
0: I mean, man, the, the day. <laughs> talk about the timing. like we'll, we're pulling back the curtain. Oh, <laughs> man. Yeah. Well,
1: it, it, we need to pull back the curtain because what we're going to talk about, it, yeah. it, it needs to be known that... Yeah. As of today, November 4th, at the presidential level, we still don't know who our next president is. Very interesting night last night. I was up till probably about yeah. 1 a.m. kind of watching it. We, did you guys wow. watch it at all?
0: I tried. I could not keep my eyes open. Yeah. I, I passed down around 1030.
1: Yeah, we yeah. stayed up till yeah. about 11. And yeah. Kind of felt like we weren't going to know a lot more. Yeah, right after that, There kind so. of comes that
0: point, especially on the East Coast, mm-hmm. where you, you're not going to know.
1: But then I woke up today thinking, oh, maybe we'll know more. Nope. nope. <laughs> it's pretty much the same Just thing. Just more confusing. <laughs> yeah. And, and it might not be for a while. So by the time yeah. that you're listening to this, November 14th, if I could time travel, hopefully we'll know by that point. Uh, what happens, Mm -hmm. but recently I preached a sermon called The Kingdom, and I think that, so we're not going to talk about politics on on this program. We're just setting up the reasoning of what we're going to do next. I want us to listen to that sermon because in that sermon, as the pastor of Crossroads Fellowship Church, my job is to keep lifting everybody's eyes and attention to the kingdom of heaven first, Mm -hmm. Jesus first, the kingdom first. Then it's like the political party. Then it's your own preferences. And I think too many people get those reversed, and they put like their kingdom of Republican or their kingdom of Democratic or Independent or their own kingdom above of the kingdom of God. And so I thought it was a very timely message that I think helped our church particularly. Mm -hmm. We have a pretty diverse church uh, in a lot of ways. One of those ways is politically. And I think it was a very healthy message to get our attention on the kingdom. So I want us to listen to that message today. And I think that, again, uh, wherever we are on November 14th and beyond, this is going to help you listening as well.
0: So let's hear a quick word from our sponsor, and then we will hear our sermon clip. Perhaps you've asked yourself this question. Are you running the business or is the business running you? How might your teams grow if your teams were driving the business forward instead of you? You are sitting on a wealth of untapped opportunity. It takes courage to learn how to create a culture where your people are truly empowered to own their seats. My name's Cheryl Scanlon, business and executive coach. Working together, we'll go straight to your core challenges to sort through competing demands and realign to your highest priorities for measurable results. Visit c3advantage.net. That's c3advantage.net. number
1: well, People were the ones invited. The rest of them, honestly, they thought of as dogs. That's the terminology that the Bible uses. And Jesus would come in and say, no, no, you, you, get the, you got the invitation wrong. The invitation is for everybody. And I think sometimes if we're not careful, we forget that a little bit. We do. We kind of forget that everybody means everybody. That doesn't matter what side of the aisle politically you're on. It doesn't matter what color your skin is. It doesn't matter how smart you are. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter what team you cheer for. By the way, Go buckeyes, that's all I'm gonna say. Doesn't matter what any of that, although it kind of does right now, but it doesn't in the future. In fact, all are welcome. Just this morning I put that to practice. Believe it or not, I actually talked kindly to a Michigan fan this morning. First thing he came up to me, first thing in the morning. I wasn't ugly about it. I mean, in my mind I might have thought some thoughts, but not out loud. Right? All are welcome. And I think we've got to remember why, why it's so important to remember that all are welcome. Let's talk about what's actually at the table. Let's talk about, just for a moment, what people are actually invited to, because I think it's special. See, what's waiting for us at this kingdom table are all the benefits of the kingdom. So like things like forgiveness, reconciliation, healing, these are all the things that, that Jesus offers in the kingdom that are available to us today, but also available for everybody else, all that want to come to the table. It's, it's welcoming everybody to this table. How about hope? Peace? Does this sound a lot like the things that this world absolutely needs right now? it sound like these are the things that the world needs to recognize that don't come from who you vote for? It doesn't come from your bank account. It doesn't come for your degrees and your job. Nothing wrong with any of the things I just mentioned. But that's not, that's not where the kingdom hope and peace comes from. And if we're not careful, we, on our part, myself included, that we, we kind of get locked in to things that honestly aren't kingdom-minded first. Jesus never said to not think about those things. In fact, Jesus never said not to pursue things. All he said is, hey, just seek the kingdom first. If we just seek God's kingdom first, then, yeah, sure, have the conversations, have the career, have the bank account, have money. There's nothing wrong with any of that stuff until that stuff becomes more important than God and the kingdom. And that's what we battle. So I think what will help us understand why the invitation is so important is just to maybe remember what happened to you when you got invited to the table. Can we just think about that for a moment? Do you remember the moment when you kind of first realized that you were invited to something bigger than you? When you were invited to eternity and and there was this God who already sent the invitation through his son, And the son already paid the price for the banquet. He already paid the price to joining it. And all you had to do was show up. And you remember that moment when you showed up and your sins were forgiven? And according to Scripture, you were kind of made new. And you realized that there was something greater and bigger ahead of you. That, That feeling, well, guess what? That feeling wasn't just for you. And it's not just for me. And here's what we battle. The battle becomes next. And the point, the second concept is the excuses. Let's just talk quickly about the excuses that were made. Because these are the excuses at times that I'll make. the excuses that you're going to make. And if we play the part that we're supposed to play of being the servant and actually going out and inviting people to the banquet, these are the excuses you're going to face. Three categories of excuses in this passage. The first one was money, right? It was money. Hey, I just bought a field. I need to go check out the field. The second one was work-related. I just bought oxen, and I got to go try them out. The third one was relationships. Just got married, so I can't come to the party. Money, job, relationships. Just think about how often those become excuses, and even more important in our own lives, to the kingdom. That instead of being kingdom-minded first, and even in our heart first, that our job becomes first, or making money becomes first, or whatever task we have ahead of us is first, or relationships become first. These are the excuses that we see. These are the excuses, honestly, that as Jesus shared the excuses, again, just put yourself a little bit into the time that Jesus is sharing this into the, that setting. Those were ridiculous excuses. Jesus was actually making a point. Those weren't realistic excuses. In fact, those were real, insincere, ridiculous excuses. The people hearing Jesus tell this story for the first time would have kind of rolled their eyes a little bit, going, yeah, no, nobody's going to buy a field without checking it out. Nobody's going to buy oxen without going and checking it out. And these are kind of insincere excuses of being invited to this great banquet. In other words, he was cutting to the heart of excuses. And kind of put it in our context today, Honestly, what has kept us at times from coming to the table? And it's really one word. You can write this word down if you want. It's one word. It's the word time. It's what's consuming your time. What is it that's become a little bit more important that's nudged God out just a little bit more? What's taken over that time of your life or that time that maybe we should be spending with God or even coming to church? I know we're preaching to the choir because you all are here. But, but this last several months has created a real interesting thing in a lot of people's lives. Where all of a sudden, other things have now come just a little bit more important than God. I think this is a true statement that we all can agree with: that we make time for what's important. We make time for what's important, and sometimes there's external factors that don't allow us to do that. I get that, but for the most part, what what is important to us, we make time for. So I've been doing uh, in full time ministry for 26 years, and over the last 26 years, one thing is true in this, this category. When I meet with people and I talk to them and they're struggling, and you can pick your struggle, you can pick finances, marriage, health, spiritual, whatever it is, and I sit down across, typically the first question I'll ask is, well, how, how, how are you doing spiritually? Almost every time, if not every time, the answer is typically met with a head that drops a little bit, yep, I, I'm not doing anything. I'm not spending time with God. I pull back from church. I haven't read my Bible in a while. Almost every single time. And so it's not a far jump to make that as we struggle in our life that typically if we're not careful, what happens is the thing that becomes most important becomes second, then it becomes third, then fourth, and then eventually... The relationship with God is just kind of off the table, sitting in a corner, and we just kind of run to Him when we're in real trouble, and we forget that this is a relationship. And so we can't keep making excuses for not being part of the relationship. And, and I bring that up not, not to, definitely not to make us kind of feel guilty about it, but just to recognize, hey, can we just recognize that all of us, if we're not careful, we're all going to make excuses. There's always something else to do, always, isn't there? There's always something else to do. There's always something else that can take our time. There's always something else that can take our attention. There's always something else that when we go to actually pray that consumes our thoughts. There's always something else. So it is a, it is a fight. But we've got to fight for those things that are important to us. And the kingdom of God and our relationship with God needs to be first. Again, it doesn't mean that you can't have all this other stuff that goes with life and enjoying life. But can we just put the kingdom first? First because there's a job for us to do. And if you and I are allowing excuses to get in the way, then what's going to happen externally because we can kind of take those three excuses and now let's just put it in today's context. Today's context of why what is keeping us from enjoying the kingdom? What's keeping us from actually participating in what God wants for us? And and right now, man, maybe maybe it's politics that are keeping us because we're so worked up about it. Maybe it's Tuesday coming. Maybe in our context, in our life, maybe you've been hurt and wounded by a church or a pastor in the past, and so there's this trust level that's real, real low. Maybe you're looking for the perfect church, and we're like the 15th church you visited in 15 weeks, and you're still looking for that perfect church. And we talked about this last week, so I'm not going to spend time here. I just want to name out a few. I think the biggest one that we're all dealing with is just apathy. We've kind of just gotten settled. We've gotten settled in, as Ken said earlier level 11 of this crazy game that we're on this year and life has been changed and it's different and now we're just kind of in this stuck mode something's got to break that and it's got to start with God it's got to start with us getting our mind our attention back on the kingdom because here's the job the job is the third concept is this the job that we all have as part of this is to go quickly Remember in this passage we just read, the master of the house looked to the servant and said, hey, I need you to go quickly and go out there. And then you just start inviting people to come to the banquet. Go quickly. Get out there. Go, 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 go. How many times have we heard that concept from Jesus to go? Go into all the world. Go to all the villages. Move. Listen, the kingdom is in motion. I told you this before. I love this statement that the, the hope for our city is not just a church. It is a church that is mobilized. Amen, somebody? Like that's... That's the hope. The hope is that you and I, that we got to take the kingdom in motion. We can't say yes to Jesus and stand still. You just can't. And yet what's needed is for us to actually say yes to Jesus in whatever he's calling us to do and to be part of. The answer should always be yes, followed by motion, followed by action. It shouldn't be met with, well, let me think about it or let me Pray about it and let me get back to you. No, it's it's yes. If Jesus is calling us, the answer is yes. And then there's motion that has to happen. This city will not change by us standing still. It's got to have motion. The kingdom as Jesus speaks about it, have you ever noticed that it's always action? It's always about action. There's always action to the kingdom. Come be a part of it. Come enjoy. Come and taste and see. And then go, go quickly, move. There's always action to it. Jesus with the disciples were constantly in motion. They were constantly going and going and going and moving, taking the kingdom from one place and one person to another place to another person. And that's part of our job. Part of our job is to go. Now, listen, there's a cost to it. How many understand there's a cost to saying yes? There is a cost. Now, what that cost is for you, I don't know. Jesus words it this way in the gospel. He says, hey, the, the birds there have necks, nests, foxes have holes. I got no place to put my head. There's a cost. Listen, you saying yes to Jesus and saying yes to the kingdom first, there's a cost. Because when you say yes to Jesus and yes to the kingdom, you're playing by a different set of rules than everybody else. Have you ever noticed that? And by the way, if you haven't noticed that, you're probably playing the game a little wrong. When you and I say yes to Jesus, we play by a different set of rules It's by a different set of ethics and morals and standards. It's a different set that the world's playing. And we're seeing that unfold more and more and more, which is why it is so important for us to go. It takes action. Jesus tells the disciples and us, "Say you got to go to the world. And when you go to the world, you don't just go, you go and you make disciples. You preach the gospel, you teach people, you train people. You see people baptized. This is all of our work. We are all the servants in the story. But if we allow excuses or we allow fear or we allow the unknown, then all of a sudden our, our action becomes stationary. And now the kingdom's not advancing the way it should. Jesus, we just gotta trust that he knows what he's doing because he entrusted us to do this. There's some weight behind that. Just think about what Jesus entrusted the church to do. He entrusted us to go and turn the world upside down. He entrusted us to go and preach the gospel. But we got to go quickly. The fourth concept is this. Number four is this. I love this one. The fourth concept is that there's still room. There's still room. See, as we unpack this story just a little bit further, as, as he tells the people to go and to move and to go quickly, like there's an urgency behind that. And the reason he tells them to go back out there again and say there's still room because the servant says, well, hey, I've already gone and and invited the people you told me to invite. And there's still a whole lot of room. And so the master looks at all the room and says, well, you got to get back out there. There's still room at the table. Since I I read that again, I I just connected the dots for for me, I guess, and, and for us, is that God wishes that none should perish which means that there's room for everybody to come to this table. I guess that's an encouraging thing as well to think that, one, it's not just for you. It's not just for me, right? That the table isn't full of just people at crossroads and there's no more room for anybody to come to the table. No, there's plenty of room. There's plenty of room. I, I think one of the most driven passages in Scripture that that should rattle us and inspire us and get us moving. It's just real simply when Jesus tells people, hey, the the harvest is ready. The problem isn't the harvest. The problem isn't that there's people out there that need Jesus. The problem is that the workers are few. See, that's the problem. I saw a statement the other day that simply said, God is more willing to save sinners than sinners are to be saved. I think that's a true statement across the board. I think God is more willing to heal. God is more willing to send revival and awakening. God is more willing to bring peace and give you hope than we are to accept it. God wishes that none should perish, that everybody has an invitation to the table. And when you think about that, there's still room at the table that should inspire us to get moving, to get action behind it because, well, that that means that there's still a job to do. And that job is on our part to go. So to understand that, that not only is there an invitation and all are invited, it's not just to weed through the excuses, it's not just to feel compelled to go or to, to go quickly. But the last concept is this because he changes the language, right? He starts off in the front, go quickly to the streets. That's how he starts. And it works its way through to now the master of the house is telling the servants, get back out there and he uses one word, that word is compel. That word compel in the original language is pretty strong. It actually means to constrain, to strongly urge, almost to say you, you're not gonna take no for an answer, you're gonna get out there and you are gonna force, it's a word of force, it's a, it's a word of action, you're gonna force people to get here to this table. And you kinda wonder why, why did the language change? Why did it start with go quickly, there's a general invitation, then go quickly and invite some more people, now get out there and actually compel people, and here's why, the same thing that should drive us, because Jesus, telling a story, knows exactly what the kingdom has to offer. And so there's an urgency behind that. There's, there's passion behind that. Those of us in this room that know what the kingdom is and know what forgiveness is really like and know what hope is really like, there should be a compelling force behind us to say, no, no, I'm going to get out there and I'm going I'm to not take no for an answer because I know what my neighbors need and coworkers. I know what they're missing out on, in other words. They're missing out on all the benefits of the table. In Jude 22 and 23 again, the the strong language used here I absolutely love. It says, it starts with mercy. It says to have mercy to those who doubt, right? There's a lot of people that doubt. There's times in this room that we've doubted. It says have mercy to those who doubt, and then it says save others by snatching them from the fire. The terminology used in Jude 23 is is quite literally if somebody's approaching a cliff, you and I would not just say, hey, look, oh, it's too late. (laughs) Look out. The, the picture behind you, 23, is you and I running up and literally grabbing a hold of people. You would never just let somebody walk off the cliff. Never. So why do we do it for eternity? Let that sink in just for a moment. You and I, we would never let anybody physically just walk off the edge of a cliff without doing everything in our power, especially people that we know, You would never sit there and go, I told them that they're going to fall.
0: Thank you for joining and listening to our program today. And thank you to Crossroads Fellowship and the Truth Network for making this show possible. You can find out more information about Crossroads Fellowship at Crossroads.org. If this show has impacted you, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at info at Thank you to C3 Advantage for sponsoring this program. We look forward to having you join us on the next show. Your success as a leader hinges upon buy-in from your teams, clear and consistent communication from you, and strategic delegation. My name is Cheryl Scanlon. C3 Advantage helps you steward your most valuable resource well, improve retention, grow employee engagement, and generate higher team and individual ownership. The success of your organization begins with you and depends on your team. Go deeper as a leader and watch your organization go further visit c3advantage.net at c number 3 advantage.net